Hi, welcome to our podcast on risk. We, um, we've been exploring uh, a couple of different ways that risk affects us and how we leverage it. Uh, but today we wanna go deeper into identifying risk and classifying those. And it not only is this what happens or what we make happen to us, but what happens with our customers as well. So Sean, um, can you take us into where your brain is going on this right now? <laughs> I'll try, that's always a challenge. Um, I think I want to frame this by we're talking about the positive effects of risk. Right? Risk is often featured as a scary thing, something to best be avoided at all costs. But in reality, you can't. But risk never rides out alone. It always has its trusty sidekick opportunity riding at its side. And it's that lens that we should look at risk and see where's the opportunity for us. But I do want to suggest that we we start at the very beginnings in identifying and classifying risk before we get to the good stuff of how we can leverage that for our benefit. And the way we do this is essentially brainstorm, have a bunch of people in a room and think what could go wrong. And the beauty of this brainstorm is people seem to have very little trouble imagining disasters <laughs> and imagining problems. You ask someone to think of a good thing and people scratch their head. You say, tell me something that could go wrong and everyone's got a, a viewpoint. So collect as much as you can in terms of the risks that you're facing. Then the next step, we got to classify that risk and somehow prioritize it. Tom, I'll throw it over to you because this is a tool you're very familiar with. How do we get that brainstorm list of risks and how do we start to put them into some sort of format that prioritizes where we should focus? Yeah, seems intimidating, right? To think about everything and anything that could go right or wrong. But one of the, the ways that we help our clients get there, and we didn't invent this. You, you, if you've been to, uh, you know, if you're a, a marketing degree holder or a master's degree, you've probably heard of Pestle or Pest, but you've got... The, the, the pestle um, uh, framework, which each letter in the word pestle stands for a different type of risk or trend or what have you. P is for political, E is for economic, S is for social, T is for technological, L is for legal, and E is for environmental. And if you take each one of these letters one at a time and you, you kind of break down the universe, you know, you can start with, all right, what are all the political risks that we face, both good, bad, positive, negative, and people tend to be able to kind of start that way, you know, breaks the world down a little bit, they get going, people build off each other, and you go uh, through through that, um, and then move on to the next, which would be the economic risk, and you know, it's it's a pretty useful framework. And some things don't fit neatly into one of those classifications. Sometimes some of the risks fit into more than one of those classifications. That's not the point. The point is, how can you how can you articulate as many of these risks uh, as you can possibly think of so that you you don't miss anything? That's really the first step. And you will you will miss something. That's you know. But how can you you know minimize what you potentially um, miss? And so you, you end up with this big brainstormed list of all the, the risks that you can think of. And then, Mary, what do they do to kind of figure out which ones to which ones to, to deal with? It's so funny. You know, um, I, 
I like that we think so much alike because I was going, oh, I love what Tom's saying. You know, it's, it is the right way to, to get you going. And sometimes you can look backwards too to say, how have we gotten where we are? Because the past sometimes shows up in the future. So as, a, as one of those tricks in that brainstorming, you know, as you're using each of those letters and um, really for you to prioritize, I know we need to get the prioritization. It has to be through the eyes of the customer. So when you look at, for example, the environmental or, you know, when you're thinking about the oil prices or the, you know, the risk of war or those things, it always has to be through the eyes of the customer. So in the tools we use, we say, you know, so what? what are the implications through the customer? Because then that presents either more opportunities or risks, which open it up even more to things that you want to, you know, eventually prioritize. So that if you miss that step, you you are very inward focused and um, might miss something really cool that you can use. But then um, I think what you were, where you're suggesting, Tom, is to go to the nine blocker. Is that the next step that you were thinking? Yeah, yeah to, to think about the, the two dimensions of impact and probability. Yeah, yeah. And and the impact is, it can be bad or good. It's just, is it big or is it small? And then the probability, um, usually you have to have a time frame around that or you kind of get hung up, you know? So what's the probability of this occurring in the next three years or five years? And um, and we love post-it notes. We probably have supported 3M for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you putting each one of those on a, a post-it note allows people to discuss it, to rip it up, to you know, and move them around as they as they go through, and really come up with you know a nice nine blocker, um, which has all of the things. Either hopefully, what you're looking at is things that have a lot of impact and things that are likely to occur. But you also want to look at things that have high impact. That may not be as likely right now, but some of them really do start moving over and you have to have a good plan B for those. I think the key is when you look at these risks, if, if we classify something as high impact and high probability, then we really should factor into our planning that that is going to happen. We should be ready. We should assume it. If we see something that's a high impact but a low probability, that's when we need to build contingencies and say, what if this happens? How quickly do we move so we're not caught out? We're not surprised by it. And the other thing to remember with these tools is is you're not just looking at, at what has happened, what's gone wrong in the past. The real skill is to think what could reasonably occur that is going to change the way that we do business today. Now, we've done a lot of these in sessions around the world and virtually. I don't know about you guys. I didn't see a lot of people in 2019 or 2018 flagging up a global pandemic as a risk factor. And that's the single biggest thing that's changed so much about how we work. It's had a, a negative impact on lots of businesses, particularly in hospitality and and uh, and, and venue management. And it's had a real um, positive impact for people supplying personal protective equipment or diagnostics. You know, all these things, they shook it shook up the world, but not many people predicted it because we tend to focus on risks that are very accessible that we've experienced before. And that's one of the challenges is, is to think broader. We've got a, a we've got a land war in Europe. 
Nobody would have had that as a high probability just a, a, a few years ago, but it's here. It's a reality. And that's, again, having an effect on energy prices. And, which... and I, I think it's worth mentioning, even though we mentioned it in the last podcast, is you're you're going to spend some time in this exercise on things that aren't going to happen. This is something that you have to kind of accept by thinking broadly. You're going to capture ideas and spend some time on things that won't happen. But we also mentioned last time is that's kind of how you get lucky because if you spend a little, you know, this this time, um, not, not a, a ton, a couple of days, set aside a couple of days for these kinds of activities early on in the year, you know, maybe check up on it mid-year, but it doesn't have to take up a whole lot of time. But our experience is, is that in your planning and mitigating and, and just disasterizing a little bit over something that doesn't happen when something like a global pandemic does happen. I think you'll find that some of the thinking that went into, you know, one of the other contingency plans that you built will have applicability. And you kind of begin to develop this, what, it, what would you call it, resiliency or flexibility to, um, you know, to, to think unexpected things because you have this discipline, this muscle uh, that you're that you're you're developing over time in your business. Uh, how do I've always characterized it as being uh, you, you can't predict the future, but you can reduce your vulnerability to being surprised by it. And that's right. part of the essence of, of planning. Should also emphasize as well that when we're looking at these risks, look through the customer's eyes. Because where a lot of opportunity comes from, yeah, we've got to be sensible and manage our own risks and, and adapt our products for changing circumstances potentially. But we also need to understand how the the presence or the occurrence of these risks that we've identified will affect our customers and their customers. How does it change their landscape? Because anything we can do to mitigate, to help our customers in these uncertain times is going to add value and essentially Everything that we do is about adding value to customers through our products and services. Yeah. As a I have a, yeah, I have a good example of that, Sean. You know, in some of the industries, they're highly regulated. And um, especially for some of the smaller companies, it's really hard to stay up with the regulations. And even if they come through, what it, you know, having somebody really think through what are the implications to to my business. So an opportunity for a customer is if they're really faced with this, you know, just chaotic environment, um, some of the companies that we work with step in and say, we can help you make sure that you're on top of all of these that are coming through and help you sort out what you need to do to be able to manage through your chain um, these changes that need to occur. And they've, they've been able to charge more money and or at least keep their customers very loyal because it's a really important pain point that yeah. they've identified and can help them with. I mean, it's the holy grail in marketing, I think, one of the holy grails, <laughs> there could be more than one, but is <laughs> anticipating needs, anticipating customer needs. And people always want to know how, how do you anticipate customer needs? Well, the geniuses of marketing, you know, the Steve uh, Jobs of the world and other legendary figures were really, really great at being able to see a couple of years ahead, right, of what was coming, but also to do just what you guys are talking about, which is not just say, well, 
you know, new technology, MP3 technology is going to allow you to have, you know, um, a, a, a whole lot of music in a portable <laughs> um, method, like an iPod. What what is what does that mean? How are how is that going to impact customer needs? How are customers going to have new needs or you know new versions of old needs? And this is a you know not just a discipline that we're talking about here that helps you to to plan and protect your company against risk. I mean, if you really are doing what you two are saying, which is look at it through the eyes of the customer, you begin to see. What are the emerging needs of customers that maybe are not visible right now or maybe not highly prioritized by customers right now, but are clearly coming, and especially high, high for those high priority things, high priority, high probability, upper right hand quadrant stuff that you say this right. is likely going to happen. Well, we, we had a, a, another example from my own experience. We, we um, I used to be involved in the, 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 the leasing and rental of commercial vehicles. Um, and one of the laws that changed, this was over here in Europe, was was the corporate responsibility that if, if one of these vehicles or pieces of equipment caused a fatal injury and one of the cause was negligence or lack of maintenance, then they had this new new concept of corporate manslaughter where the officers of a company could be found personally liable despite the limited liability nature that they had a, a duty of care and it, it set a lot of people into that risk mode of like i'm now taking a risk every time one of these trucks goes on the road that i personally could be liable mm. we offered um a, a guaranteed maintenance and managing the maintenance schedules for all these things because one of the mitigating circumstances is if the vehicle was fully maintained you, you, you you're less likely to be sued without going into all the detail we offered a solution to a risk that had presented itself and as a consequence it made our offer that little bit more valuable to customers and that's really mm -hmm. what i mean about looking at risk not just from your day-to-day -day, but over outside the fence, outside in, looking at your customers, what's changed for them and what can we do? And mm -hmm. that's that's how you manage these risks. There's, there's a few ways to do it. I don't know if we have time to go through, but there's essentially four ways that you can think of risk. You either accept the risk, you, you, you acknowledge it, you've quantified it, and you said, yeah, I'll accept that risk, and you're fully informed. You can avoid the risk. You know, sometimes that makes sense. You, you don't want to take overly risky decisions if there's little reward you've got to balance that risk and reward so if you want to avoid a risk by bypassing it fine but make sure you're not losing out an opportunity um you can mitigate you can you can trade off a little bit and and start to say that that we've increased our surveillance or we've added some more headcount to look at this issue so you you, you recognize the risk but you try to mitigate it or you could just um you could just share the risk. You could buy insurance or you could partner with somebody. Those are the four main ways. And either you use them yourself or they form the basis of an offer for your customers. Let me help you by sharing the risk. Let me help you mitigate that risk. Let me help you calculate which risks to avoid and where to go. We can add value both internally and to our customers if we understand not only how to prioritize but how to manage risk. And I guess that would be my my final speech on the matter. Um, Sean, I, the most recent example that, that brings this to light is the meat, meatless industry mm -hmm. and how they were going to take on 
the meat industry, you know, and um, so some of the companies that that were in meat, it's a huge risk, you know, what if, you know, they're successful in saying that, you know, plant-based reduces the carbon footprint and is healthier for you and more humane. I mean, they had it all, right? And they were, so the meat companies started investing in some of the plant-based just to get their foot in there and to really understand it more. And um, as it's turned out, you know, they kind of, from a marketing standpoint, turned it around and was able to, once they understood it well enough to say, hey, look at all the additives that you have to use to, you know, to make that happen. And maybe it's not as healthy as you thought, but but I thought that, you know, when I when I think about different companies and what they're doing in the face of significant risk, like the meat industry that are our clients a lot of times, is that's how I guess they were mitigating the risk, maybe, or sharing. What would that be? I guess that it's it's usually a combination, isn't it? You know, part of it is they're mitigating by understanding the risk a little bit better and not seeing it as a bogeyman, seeing it more as a in, in its real context. Um, to an extent, you can avoid it by by. Uh, by moving in a different direction and you can also you know share it by 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 joining in being part of that you know riding both sides it's kind of like the tobacco companies investing in vaping products you know they saw that that was a direct threat so they invest and that's the point you have to actively manage it not be scared of it but most importantly and maybe we'll talk about this more on the next podcast is how do you then truly innovate around the changing landscape because i think that's where the real opportunity lies in red yeah well i think that as of kind of putting a bow on this particular podcast and having that teed up for the next one i think what we've we've said uh in summary is first of all you've got to brainstorm risks and uh, a, a methodology like pestle can really help kind of break it down so that you limit your chances of missing something big. And then you can rate the risks for impact and probability, right? To kind of figure out which ones you should focus on. Then you should really look at what it is that is how this is going to impact your customers. Look at it through the eyes of the customer, not only um, just when you're rating the risk, but also what are the implications of those risks to their business, their day to day. And then we, we, we started talking about, you know, the categories of accepting, mitigating, sharing risks, et cetera as um, that part where you start to specify, you know, what you're going to do about it. Maybe we can pick it up from there, as Sean suggests with our next podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. We hope that there's a couple of things as you're listening, you know, there's some ideas that I can apply to my business. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye.